For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Razorback Nation, welcome to episode double deuce of the Hog Talk podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, my co-host, Ty Hudson, to my imaginary right. Ty, how you doing tonight, man? How is it going, Jacob, and, and our listeners? I hope everybody's doing well. Been, uh, it, it's nice to do a podcast coming off, uh, I guess what you could say, a, a really nice win against Colorado State. That's right. Right. Yeah, Arkansas got that, got that victory over Colorado State yesterday, 21 point, pulled it out in the fourth quarter. And, man, it's going to be an electric show here tonight. Welcome to Club Dub. This is the Hog Talk Podcast, episode 22. Stay tuned as we break down what we saw yesterday against Colorado State. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Hog Talk. Help us get our message out by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Once you've subscribed, be sure to share with all of your fellow hog fans on social media. I don't know if that's me. All right, here we are at the Hog Talk Podcast. This is episode number 22, and right now, here is Ty's Takes. What's going on, everybody? I hope you guys had a great weekend. So we're going to start off with Ty's Takes. Starting off with the Arkansas Razorbacks. This Saturday, they took on, or last Saturday, I should say, they took on Colorado State. Obviously, they won. Nice game. They did have some injuries, and the most notable was Bumper Pool. He did miss some time. Against Colorado State, he was seen on the sidelines uh, with his arm in a sling. We have no clue as to how, how long he'll actually miss. Uh, supposedly, the rumor around social media, I know you got to take that with a grain of salt, but the rumor is it's not a serious injury. He could be back soon, but nothing official from uh, Chad Morris or the staff. Moving on to an ex-Razorback, Ryan Mallett, arrested in Springdale for a DWI. He blew a .081 on the breathalyzer test. He was arrested in, uh, and, and take it back to the Springdale Police Department, was released later that same day. Moving on to an ex-defensive end for the Razorbacks, Chris Smith. Sadly, his girlfriend and the mother of his child was killed in a car accident in Cleveland, Ohio. Her vehicle was struck by an intoxicated driver. Uh, we always say this. I say this on my live streams. When you guys go out and, and you're having fun after you know watching the Razorbacks, you're up and down Fayetteville on Dixon or down in Little Rock, wherever you are, please, please always be safe. Get a taxi or a Uber or a Lyft. And finally, on Ty's takes, women's soccer moves to two and zero after beating the number twenty-two ranked Baylor Bears, and then today's upset against the number one North Carolina Tar Heels. 
Hogs are 2-0 and and uh, not a bad start at all for the beginning of the season for the Hogs. No, not considering that they are still unranked. Yeah, they were ranked after beating Baylor, and, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong, that was even on the road against Baylor, I believe. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure that was on the road. And they turned around and beat Carolina, number one ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. They better be ranked going into their going into their next matchup. That's all I got to say. That's my yeah. two cents. And that's Ty's takes there. Uh, I do want to mention a big kudos to Georgia. I know this is the Hog Talk podcast, but I want to say, uh, man, UGA fans really put on a show out there, showing up with a pink out in honor of Wendy Anderson, the late wife of Arkansas State Red Wolves head coach Blake Anderson. That was a good gesture. Uh, something Flash. that something that didn't they didn't have to do that, but they did it anyway, and that, that's wonderful. It uh, just shows how far that story went. Yeah, they embraced it. It was really cool. Good to see. Uh, sadly, I didn't get to catch that game. I know it was kind of a blowout. I don't think anybody expected anything less, but that was still class by Georgia and their fans. Uh, you know, everybody involved. That was that was really cool. A lot of class. Yeah. And speaking of what happened yesterday, Ty, Arkansas got a 21-point victory that they had to ink out in the fourth quarter. The last time Arkansas inked out a victory over an opponent in the fourth quarter was 2016 under Brett Bielema in uh, in Fayetteville against Ole Miss. That was the last time. It's been a while. Yeah, where they had to come back, whether it was tied or – or uh, I mean, you can talk about the 2017 game. That one was that one was crazy. But in a, a game that was significant to the season, mm. uh, they they figured it out. You know whether they were absent the second and third quarters or not, they figured it out. I mean, at least they had the bookends going, and they didn't give up, and and they stepped kept playing out there. And freshmen really stood up, and and something that really should please Arkansas fans and giving them hope for the future. Maybe not the rest of the season, but at least showing them what they're capable of and that they will not give up. Welcome to Club Dub. How about that? It's nice. It's nice. It's a good feeling for sure. Um, you know, we're going to get into a little bit more of the specifics, and we're going to talk about some of the negatives later on, but I couldn't agree more. The uh, the, the coming back, you know, you had a you had a good little lead there, and then they, it, it disappeared. Colorado State for two quarters. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a combination of Nick Starkle just not having all the playbook installed, not knowing all the offense, and Colorado State, you know, figured them out there for a couple of quarters, or if it was just a lull that the you know you miss out on a couple of key third downs, and all of a sudden maybe the emotions of the team kind of kind of you know I don't know went and hid in a corner or something. I, I don't know what happened for two quarters, but it was I agree it was really nice to see them come back in, in that fourth quarter and and uh, and actually beat the spread. I think I think it was actually ten points was what Arkansas was favored by. They beat it by eleven points. It's not too bad. Yeah, that was that was a really big victory, uh, the most significant victory over the Chad Morris era. I mean, this is only win number four, but I mean, it was really significant in the fact that they needed this one. I mean, if the morale was going to uh, rise a little bit in in Arkansas's favor, they had to win this game. Uh, you know, I don't know. A lot of people came up to me at church this morning and were, were saying, man, if what if Starkle would have started the Ole Miss game? Or what if he even started out the season as a starter? Mm. You know, what if his head, head was right after all? I mean, where would Arkansas be sitting right now? You can't really go back and project the way uh, things would have happened against Ole Miss, but you do wish you would have seen 
what would happen if you had a full a full four quarters against a SEC team like like Ole Miss with Nick Starkle at quarterback. But you know, you live and you die by the chances you take. And mm-hmm. Arkansas put Arkansas took those chances and rolled Nick Starkle out of there. And I want to say that a Arkansas offense that is thirty percent installed with Nick Starkle at quarterback is better than an offense with Ben Hicks at quarterback with 70% of the offense installed. That's just my take. It just looks a lot better, a lot smoother. And, I mean, everybody in the country, if you watch Arkansas from from last week's game or even the Portland State game to when Starkle comes in and he's played the last six quarters, they're, they're, the difference is day and night, Ty. Mm-hmm. And you want to see that going forward, especially against uh, San Jose State. And God rest every fan in Arkansas soul if something ever happened to Starkle. <laughs> because, I mean, <laughs> what are we going back to? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I asked that on the uh, on the live stream the other night, and uh, chat was – the comment section was overwhelmingly, and, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, overwhelmingly in favor of throwing KJ into the fire, throwing a true freshman into the fire. And I'm going to be real with you, based on what we've seen out of Hicks – I don't care how much of the playbook the guy knows, how you know his relationship with with Chad Morris. Put in the guy who I think we can all agree, even though he's younger, is probably has the talent level to 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 play to play at a higher level down the road. I think is is yeah. is going to be something we're going to see from KJ Jefferson. But uh, I don't know if you go that route or not. But I certainly wouldn't stand in the way of it if that were to happen because right. I just Hicks. I mean, look look at Starkle compared to Hicks and then think back to like, I mean, Hicks didn't Hicks struggled at times at SMU, but he did all these things. He kind of, he more or less for them set the world on fire. Starkle yeah. at A&M did not do that. Um, he didn't do that. And, and in that offense and what they were trying to do, it didn't work. He comes here and he's obviously the more talented quarterback and he moves the ball, but I, I still don't know how to compare him. It's far too early, but it, yeah. it it's, I don't know how to compare him to the rest of the, the field as far as the quarterbacks, but I don't think he's a, I don't think he's the next Ryan Mallett. Those comparisons, by the way, need to just chill for a little bit. I've seen that several times on Twitter and on Facebook. I would chill with the Ryan Mallett comparisons. I mean, but uh, I, yeah, I, I, if if Starkle goes down, I mean, knock on wood. I know every Hog fan, as soon as we mentioned that, probably did that. They probably found some you know, knocked on their door or knocked on their desk or whatever uh, and do that a couple more times as we carry on this podcast because we might bring it up again. But if he does go down, it's it's going to be problematic because Hicks doesn't doesn't provide a whole lot of hope, Yeah, you know, as far as being the next guy up based on what we've seen. Yeah, and can you tell the magical connection between Starkle and his receivers? You You can tell – you can tell on the sidelines that Nick Starkle and Trey Knox are best buds already. <laughs> and you want to have that with a quarterback wide receiver combo. Those are your guys. You got to take care of your guys. And I, I really like to see that. But on the other hand, looking back at the topic of Ben Hicks, you know, watching him, he, even if something ever happened to Starkle, he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Good grief. The guy was sitting on the sideline. I know this is, Gonna sound stupid. I mean, it's the second uh, second week in a row I've had something negative to say about Ben Hicks. But even if something ever happened and and Hicks needed to come in for a series, the dude wasn't ready. He didn't have his helmet. 
he was just kind of wandering around like Opie from uh, the Andy Griffith show without Andy, without Pa. I mean, he just looked aimless, unsure, biting his nails, just was just just chilling on the sideline, didn't really know where he was going, what he was doing. He didn't, and he, most backup quarterbacks have like a headset on, you know, kind of going through. And, and Austin Allen, back when uh, Brandon Allen was the starting quarterback, at least Austin would give him hand signals from the sidelines, you know. So right. I, I don't know if he's just kind of, kind of frustrated that he lost the starting job or maybe he just thought that maybe – the SEC was going to be harder than he thought. I don't know. But he just, the the juice hasn't been there with Ben Hicks at quarterback at all uh, in this transfer to Arkansas. And I feel bad for the guy. You, you want to see somebody have success, especially when they transfer to to a new school and, and in his last year of eligibility. You want to, all the success in the world to the guy is owed to him. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. You well, know? and I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying. I, I would like to see him do his – I'd like to see him be a little bit more supportive of Starkle, like you said. We're not really seeing that. And it's hard to feel bad for a guy when he's not showing and supporting his teammates. I, I, maybe he is. I don't know. But from what we've seen, when, they, when the camera's on him, I can tell you – I'm sure there's some lip readers out there, and it doesn't. And just his mannerisms, his his facial expressions, just his he just looks disappointed. His demeanor is he's not happy about being benched, and that's understandable. But show some enthusiasm, you know. Pat a guy on the rear end. It's football. That's allowed. It's allowed. Okay, calm yeah. down. Pat a guy on the rear. Bump his shoulder pads. You know, clap. Show some excitement. I'm not seeing that out of him, but. Again, I, I, I'm with you that I feel bad for him. I, I, you know, I, you and I talked about this a lot, and I know our, our, our producer Peck had too. You have been Hicks with this wealth of knowledge in this Chad Moore system, and I really was hoping that he could, he could come in and I don't know about lighting the world on fire or anything like that, but at least come in and take the job and hold on to it. We knew that there would be this connection with him and Chad Morris and that Chad Morris would hang on to him, and guess what? That's exactly what happened. He clung to Ben Hicks way more than he should have. And in our opinions, it's easy for us. We're, we're not even on the sidelines. We're in the crowd. We don't really know what's going on in the locker room or in that coach's office. But yeah, I, you know, going back to what you said about, about Starkle and, and Hicks and, and just the two guys playing. And, and I'm still, I still don't, I don't know what the coaches saw during fall camp. You know, I don't know yeah. what they saw that said to them, hey, Ben Hicks is our guy, no matter what. This is our guy. Even though they didn't come out and say it, but he obviously was working in Starkle throughout fall camp, and Hicks was still getting, from what we've been told, he was getting the majority of the snaps with the ones. Um, so I, I don't know why you stuck it out with him. And then, you know, you come out of the Portland State game. What film did you watch that showed you that he's going to be the guy to, to lead you up and down the field against Ole Miss? You know, and, and right. I, I maybe maybe the knowledge of the offense and, and knowing that you've probably got a coach on the field with him made made Chad Morris and Craddock feel a little bit more comfortable starting him. But the talent, it's it's you'd have to be blind not to see it, especially at this point. Not, there's no doubt Chad Morris is sticking with Starkle. It'd be yeah. it'd be um, it'd be a pretty big surprise if he named Ben Hicks the starter against right. San Jose State or anything, but. Yeah, yeah, it's for sure Starkle's job. I think it should have been his job. And now, all I can say is, 
do not rotate him out with with the twos. Don't share time with the ones with Ben Hicks. Don't don't do that. It's it's Starkle's job, and let's act like it from here on out until he uh, proves otherwise. Yeah. How about Devwall Whaley bouncing back after a hard loss against Ole Miss and having a couple of fumbles last week? Comes back this week has a eighty or not was it a ninety two yard uh, day? Pretty good against uh, pretty good for a guy that that needed a bounce back game, getting some more confidence going into San Jose State week. Yeah, nine carries, eighty one yards. That's uh, that's right at nine yards a carry with a touchdown. His longest run was 25 yards. That's nice. We haven't seen him bust off a 20-plus yard run in a little while. Um, again, I don't I don't want to oversell. Me personally, I'm not going to oversell what Arkansas did. Hanging 55 on anybody, though, is a big deal, especially yeah. when you look at 2-10 and 10 a year ago and you look at how poor they were against Portland State on offense and how poor they were against Ole Miss. It is a big deal for that reason, for you know the fact that there was no offensive identity coming into this game, and then for them to turn around and hang 55. But uh, for Devoir Whaley to break out and have finally a pretty good game, nine carries, 81 yards. Again, we know it's Colorado State. You know, we're not telling again. We're not telling everybody that. Oh my God, this is it. Arkansas is going to do this every week. We're not saying that. It's just nice. This is the kind of yeah. improvement we wanted to see. This is it. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then. Rakeem Boyd, Ty, he had 20 carries, 122 yards, and two touchdowns. That's his second 100-yard rushing game of the season. And I think that's like his fourth or fifth of his short career at Arkansas. So that's that's pretty good for number five there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that run, too. Everybody was all over the Rakeem Boyd run. Yeah, that was well, The last I chance love you retweeted him. that. And, you know, it was – I think – it may have been featured on ESPN. I'm not really sure, but that was – that was really cool to see. It's it's yeah. good to see a number five running the ball like that again. It's been yeah. a while. And then you had Trey Traylon Burks and Trey Knox both having 90, uh, 90 yard days receiving. Uh, Knox had his first career touchdown as a Razorback. Wait, no, he had one last week, didn't he? Uh, Knox, uh, good grief, did he? Yeah, Knox. Had yeah, he did. Yeah, week. I did. Yeah, I did. So that's his. Burks is the one without touchdown yet. So. He's a guy. He was actually the leading receiver. Had a 38-yard touchdown reception. C.J. O'Grady breaking six tackles on the <laughs> sidelines, and and that that's something out of just out of you know he just looks like a full-grown man, uh, just showing his worth as a player. I mean, it showed that he wanted it. Honestly, we've always questioned about C.J. O'Grady's want to. That just showed you right there he wanted it. He fought through the play and scored a touchdown out of it. On the field, yes. On the yeah. field. It's his off-the-field stuff that I think a lot of people have had some questions about. Yeah. But I think it, I think that's been corrected. And uh, like yeah. you said, it's nice to see that. Oh, my God, it's so good. Especially a former Purple Dog myself. It's so awesome to see Cheyenne O'Grady. It's so good to see a yeah. former Purple Dog doing the same thing. But not just the fact that he's a former Favo kid, just the fact that anybody made a play like that was so unbelievable. It was on, I think it was ESPN's number two play of the day. Um, I, I forgot who, who was number one, but it was I know it was a one-handed grab on the sidelines. I'm sorry, yeah, that's great. But one-handed grabs, they're not exactly super rare. For a tight end to break that many tackles and to run that far down the field was absolutely incredible. Should have been absolutely. number one. I don't know. Absolutely. Call me biased. I don't care. That was incredible. <laughs> that was such a such a play. On the year, Cheyenne, six catches, 119 yards. 
that that run for touchdown was uh, the run for six was sixty two yards. Incredible. So no doubt the NFL scouts are keeping an eye on Shino Grady. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Arkansas they forced their sixth and seventh turnovers of the season. Monteric Brown with the forced fumble and Ladarius Bishop with a with a fumble recovery scoop and stool, scoop and score for a touchdown. How about that? I, we talked about that earlier this afternoon about how impressive Ladarius Bishop was uh, with the scoop and score. Tell me about your analysis of the scoop and score there, Ty. Well, I mean, look, this is two weeks in a row they've done that. And if you go back and watch film, go back and watch, you know, the curl strip and, and, and fumble recovery. Tell me they're not practicing that a thousand times a day with how natural they look recovering that football and running it down the field. That's not the easiest thing in the world to do. In, in a live game scenario, for that ball to bobble around, for you to make the split-second decision to not kick it or to jump on it or to, or to maybe try to do something fancy with it, just to pick it up, run down the field, and score. It sounds easy, but it's easier yeah. said than done. And both times, it has looked so natural. How many times have we seen that happen? And, and the Razorbacks, either the ball, sadly, you know, luck kind of plays into that too a little bit, where the ball bounces into the hands of the – back into the offensive uh, player's hands and, you know, they run it up the field or, you know, I don't think they can advance fumbles anymore. But I uh, can't remember if that was the NFL or college that changed that rule. But anyways, how many times have we seen that where Arkansas, are, instead of scooping and scoring, they tumble down to the ground and their momentum carries them, you know, uh, head over hills and they, they 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 don't fall and 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 or they do fall and they don't they're not able to advance the fumble we saw them do that very thing twice uh in in the last two weeks with curl and with ladarius bishop bishop by the way a freshman yeah red shirt I mean, freshman keep that in mind yeah uh, red shirt or not hey i'll take it that's that yeah. was impressive and it, was, it just looked natural go back and watch it it's like they just know immediately what to do there, there is no reaction they just pick it up and they go and that was yep. good to see so real quick after a break we're gonna have a word from the yellow jacket drive-ins and uh, then we'll go straight back to jacob and ty and their reactions what they thought they saw uh this past saturday against colorado state this is the hog talk podcast episode double deuce the Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Sheridan, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 22. So, Ty, you know, we – where are we at right now as a program? You're 2-1 you're and one coming off a monumental victory in the Chad Morris era over Colorado State. We got that quote-unquote revenge. I don't like saying that we got revenge against it's revenge. a team. It's revenge. I, I hate revenge. If it's – I can understand it being an SEC team and say, oh, we got revenge over Florida from that 0-9 loss or – or we got revenge on LSU or somebody like that. I don't use revenge. I kind of use it loosely when it comes to non-conference opponents that aren't a Power 5 conference team. You mean you're but, you're, you're tight with it against non-conference? Yeah, whatever. You're a little more conservative with it against Yeah. Yeah. I don't I'm not going to I'm not going to say it was a revenge game, but it did feel good to come back and say, "Hey, we we made some progress this week." So 
Ty, what's your what is your reaction to the victory over Colorado State? It was revenge, it, was it was revenge. revenge. Uh, to me, it was. To me, it was. Anytime you go on the road and you lose to a team that you should have beaten a year ago, um, it, it's revenge. I don't care. To me, maybe that's just my <laughs> competitive nature. I don't know. I, I don't like losing to teams, especially non-Power 5 schools. I don't like it, and uh, I know I know those players didn't like it. If you watch how, how aggressive that defense played, especially in the first half, even though they made mistakes, a ton of mistakes, defense was, oh, you know, we're going to get into that in a second. But uh, you can tell there's a little bit of anger, I think. Uh, I, I could see it. They played like they had not maybe a chip on their shoulder, but just, I don't know, like they were they wanted to prove something. And, and uh, like it or not, yeah, Colorado State, non-Power 5 school, uh, at, at that point, that's not what those players are thinking about. That's not what that staff's thinking about. They don't care what they are. They're preparing every week the same as, you know, if they were taking on Alabama or uh, uh, or Auburn or LSU it, it, week to week. If you hear the coaches talk about it, that's how they approach every week. To, so to me, I think, you know, that definitely weighed on their minds. If you if you look back to how they lost that game against Colorado State a year ago, without a yeah. doubt, that this is a revenge game. And uh, – I don't know. I, I, again, I'm very, I'm pretty competitive. I'm not going to lie about it. I lose to my wife constantly at air hockey and I'm always challenging her for rematches and always getting my ass kicked. So, um, I, but I'll never give up. <laughs> I will yeah. never give up. I do own her on battleship though. I am undefeated <laughs> playing battleship. It was, um, so I'll start with the negatives and, and then we'll go into the positives so we can, we don't have a sour taste in our mouths at the end of the podcast. Just, you know, we want to celebrate the win for sure. So we'll we'll start with the negatives. Uh, the outside edge is still a problem with this defense. I, I don't know what it is. Colorado State, with that offense, would probably be pretty competitive in the SEC in terms of being able to put up points. But I don't think they would expose a defense, any defense in the SEC for that matter, the way they did Arkansas's. Uh, they've got a long ways to go on the defensive side of the ball. Without a doubt, there's there's some issues there. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes made. I mean, I, I can't – you know, Scooter Harris missed at least a, a tackle or two. Uh, Curl, our boy Curl. We're, we're big fans of Curl here on the podcast. Shout out to Greg. But not just because we're friends with Greg, just because we know he's a star. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind that guy's next level. I mean, Cam Curl's an NFL caliber player, and he made some mental mistakes in this game. Um, maybe not as many or obvious as some of the other guys, but Scuda made some mistakes. A bumper pull early on before he got injured, kind of whiffed on a tackle. I mean, there was there were some issues there. There was, you know, again, the outside edge. Colorado State was able to do some things out in the flat. Uh, again, I've, I've just been so skeptical of this secondary, but I can honestly say that this wasn't, you know, the, the performance that you saw on defense isn't entirely on the secondary uh, the run defense, my, uh, I, I just, I can't understand how you let someone, what was that, the second play of the game, Jacob? Yes. Was it, was yes. 75 yards. Yeah. I, I don't care if you're out of place. You should still be able to turn around and make that play. And uh, they were clearly out of position and exposed. I think, you know, and I haven't gone back again. I I, I just subscribed to YouTube TV. I don't think I, ha I tried looking today, seeing if I could go back and watch the game, and I was unable to. But it looked to me like they were calling a blitz, uh, maybe a gap blitz, and someone was supposed to be outside to protect the outside edge, and there was nobody there. And yeah. 
I, I don't know. There was so much of that. There was, there was, you know, giving up big plays on the ground. I don't know how many 20 yard carries Colorado state had. I don't think it was a whole lot, but they still had too many. One is too many, but it's understandable. Uh, there, there's so many mental errors on defense, missed tackles offensively. It came out on fire. I mean, Nick Starkle is obviously the guy for the job. He's, I think he's, he could be a playmaker. There's no doubt Starkle could be a playmaker at times. His release, his ability to read the defense, uh, all the mechanics that come with being a good passing quarterback, he seems like he has those mechanics. Uh, didn't make, I, I only saw, someone had said in the, I think it was the post-game show that I did on the YouTube channel, someone had said that uh, Starkle made a number of bad reads. And I was like, what game are you watching? Like, Starkle played lights out. The guy threw for 300-plus yards. Uh, I don't have his numbers directly in front of me right now. But, I, I mean, he, he didn't light the world on fire, but he looked pretty good. But then I, I, the two quarters, the, the in-between, you know, the second and third quarter, I don't know what happened to this offense. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Where, where, how You come out on fire, and maybe they made some adjustments. Colorado State adjusted to the, to the wideouts and – and, uh, again, you look at the youth at the wide receiver positions, and, and then the drop passes don't help either. My gosh, they've got to – I don't know what they got to do to get these tight ends to start catching the ball better. Although, although the KU transfer, Jacob, he had a touchdown. Hey, hey, Chase Harrell. You had a couple of tight end touchdowns in this one. Um, it was nice to see, but there's still too many drops. But there's yeah. mental errors on offense as well, and you had the third and fourth quarter that was just – not good football play calling was kind of vanilla there, you know, and I was scratching my head. Where did the offense go? What happened? But that rebound in the fourth quarter was one of the best I've seen. I don't care that it was against a non power five school. That rebound was impressive and it shows they've got grit. They've got the, they're they're willing to stick with it. They're not going to hang their heads and, and, and feel sorry for themselves. Even if they give up a big lead. Um, So that was good to see. But I, again, overall for me, it was a great performance for the most part. There's still two quarters there where the offense disappeared. Most of the game, the defense was pretty not good. But again, it was good to see them bounce back as a team in the fourth quarter. And, and not just find a way to win, but to, to, to run away with it. Right. My really case for these guys, I'm not a sunshine pumper. I, I, I kind of am, and I'm kind of not. <laughs> yes, but. you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the Debbie Downer here, and you're definitely the sunshine pumper. But I can be too sometimes. I think we're we're probably guilty of both. I don't know. Look, if um, if I was ever, if if I had a, if I had an animal inside me that was my spirit coach animal. Uh oh. It would be Hootie. Houston Nut. We're getting into some Joe Rogan stuff here. Because, because I, I'm an optimist. And any kind of opportunity you can see to say, hey, that was great. I want to share it. And so there are there's really five or six pieces on this offense that shows you this could this offense could be SEC ready. Look, they still put fifty five points on the board, Ty. Yeah, they did. They they offense whether I mean in the majority of those points were between the in the first and fourth quarters. And Nick Starkle came came on during the uh, post game show and said, "Hey, we left quite a few points on the board. What if they? I mean, they could have scored seventy last night. 
You know, it just shows that this Arkansas offense is a lot better with Starkle taking the snaps over anybody else. Now, I really like Starkle. I think he did a good job. Uh, if I w- if I was going to be any kind of cautious, maybe it'd be on the defense. They did allow uh, 425 yards of offense last night against Colorado State, but between the first and fourth quarters, they didn't do anything. Most of those yardage, the yards they picked up were on that one play on the second second drive or the first drive of the ball game, second play on that 75 yard touchdown. And then the rest of it was picked up between the second and third quarters. The fourth quarter, Arkansas shut them out. They shut them down. They shut them out. And Arkansas's defense really came out and played. I really like what Ladarius Bishop did. I mean, those guys, when they, when they see the ball on the ground, they chase it. And it's not like they're kicking the ball down the field, trying to chase it or flopping down on it. It looked like a grease pig, uh, on the grass and and just wallowing all over the place trying to get to it. They picked it up like they had hands of glue and went straight in for the touchdown. Fireworks for everybody. So, I mean, Arkansas's got seven turnovers on the season. So they're, they're forcing turnovers on defense while also uh, opening up the offense. This is the best this offense has looked under Chad Morris, and that's saying a lot. Sitting at four and eleven, uh, there's five key or six key pieces here to this offense that makes it SEC level. Mm. Starkle was already he's already an SEC quarterback, and he showed that when he was at Texas A&M as a freshman. He played well as a freshman, and then as a sophomore in his one start against Wake Forest in the Belt Bowl, he had 499 yards passing and five touchdowns in that tore game. it up. He tore it up. So he's already he already shows that he's a good Power Five quarterback. Then you add Rakeem Boyd to the mix, and if Devois Whaley can can get that light turned on in time for, for Texas A&M and the SEC schedule, I say Rakeem Boyd is a good piece. And then you have Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, C.J. O'Grady. Those three guys added in with Rakeem Boyd and Nick Starkle. That offense looks good. And it's not unstoppable because obviously they had they had their struggles in the second and third quarters but they looked good. They scored 55 points, and there could have been more. So I'm not going to say, hey, the it's, it's sunshiny all day, but there are things you can build on going forward out of this game to build your confidence up and have more club dubs. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If, if I can find that piece where he said, we're going we're gonna, to uh, have club dub in here tonight, I'm going to add it to the podcast because I I just love it. Uh, great scene there. And uh, it, it, it's we need more club dubs, Ty, uh, especially on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, winning uh, winning cures a lot of things. And it helps yes. helps people who do radio and, and media and podcast, too. It helps, you know, yes. more clicks. People actually want to listen to a team that wins games. Yeah. I want to ask you, what do you think of the uh, do you see the clip of Chad Morris dancing in the in the locker room? What was that? Was that was he trying to do the floss? It looked like the floss. I thought they were trying to do some Fortnite moves because you know Fortnite's all the rage with with uh, with all ages from ages thought, like six to twenty five. Everybody plays Fortnite, and that's what I've never like. played Fortnite. I'm sorry, but <laughs> but at the at the end of his little dance uh, after he did the 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 dental floss or whatever, he came out. I don't I don't know. Dental I mean. Floss. Whatever it's called, I mean, yeah, he, it looked like he came out and did the Soldier Boy. Ooh, hate that Soldier yeah. Boy. You know, I thought that I, I love that. I still, anytime it comes on on the radio or on my phone, I, I do the Superman. You know, 
So that that's fun. That was the that was that was fun. They, Anytime you can go into Club Dub and and have fun that night, I'll take it. I'll take listen, it, Ty. Listen, people were complaining about that, saying act like you've been there. Um, hello, they haven't been there for a while. Okay, that that that's why they're celebrating. I'm not. Look, I say celebrate every game like that. If you win, yeah. every win, go in there. Put a disco ball in hanging from the ceiling for all I care. Get it bumping in there. Get those players excited about winning. I, I could care less. You know, there was that video years ago with Gundy dancing in the in the locker room over at Oklahoma State. Those guys win a lot of games over there for being a, a smaller football program in the state of Oklahoma. They win a lot in the Big 12, and it seems to be working there. I'd say if it works, just keep – I don't care. Keep doing it every game. Should have done it after Portland State for all I cared. Anything to to get these guys into the game and into winning and, and – Getting yeah. them used to that feeling. I'm all for it. I couldn't believe people were upset about that. Like, really? Like Look, the guys, I mean, this junior class, this redshirt sophomore class, they've been a part of eight victories in three years. Yeah. Eight victories. They haven't celebrated if you want to. They haven't you know? been there. That I could I couldn't believe someone said that. Like, what are you talking about? They haven't been there. Yeah. We have to we have to understand the reality of what call of, of what Razorback football is right now. It's not in the best place, even though even though they found their quarterback, they got their QB one. Yeah. They're rolling on offense a little. They, they certainly look better under Starkle. We'll see yeah. once they get into conference play if they can keep it going. But yeah, celebrate everything. Celebrate the small stuff. You know how I am, Jacob. I tell yeah. you that on our on Marco Polo. You celebrate the small stuff, even yeah. from Absolutely. if you're a, a host of a of of, of a of a small radio show or a podcast or all the way to being a head coach of a major D one program. Celebrate the small stuff. Absolutely, especially. Yeah. When you went two and ten a year ago, just yeah. just JMO. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And one of the last things I want to add here is the defense didn't play too terribly bad. Mm-hmm. They they yeah they yielded up a lot of yardage, but a lot of those yardages was big plays. They didn't that, allow big chunks chunks of yardage every play. They did have they had three sacks. They they had eight tackles for a loss. Uh, Scooter was your leading leading tackler with twelve total tackles, six of those solo. With a half tackle for a loss, uh, Hayden Henry had a really good game. Uh, he was the one that forced that fumble there that Ladarius Bishop picked up and had a scoop yeah. and score. Yeah, a tackle uh, for loss too. Yeah, Devon McClure he really came in relief of a bumper during the second half, and he really his speed is impressive going sideline to sideline. I liked what he added there. Isaiah Nichols had a couple of good tackles there. Grant Morgan with that ferocious hit on the quarterback. And Gabe Richardson also had a sack, a meaningful sack there on one of the third downs early on in the ball game. The defense has spots there. There, there is lights across the field on this team, and season's not it is way from being over yet. Arkansas is above 500 right now with overall record. And hey, look, the sky's the limit for this team. Whether they improve and make the bowl game or not, they they look like they're trending up right now. I. I... I gotta disagree about the defense, though. I I, I think they look pretty bad. Um, they gave up 425 yards of offense, 205. Yeah. I, I will say the secondary was not as bad as I thought they would be. But you had a backup quarterback come in. The guy threw like what was he seven of ten for 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, it yeah. looked. Other than he made a couple of mental errors there at the end when he he was trying to roll out of the pocket. I think it was Matiel Soli who over pursued him. And he yeah. rolled out and he tried to force a throw in that was not a very good throw. But I mean, right. other than that, I, I, 
I don't know. I thought the defense was was not very good. They weren't atrocious, but I thought they were pretty not good. I yeah. mean, yeah. Uh, 220 yards on the ground. I mean, you know, these guys averaged almost six yards a carry. And I mean, this is I know Colorado State's a high high powered offense, but I mean, they're nothing compared to what Arkansas is about to face. Um, they're going to have to get some things fixed. They still have an issue with outside containment. I do think they've made they, – they, they are better north and south. In the middle, up the gut, it's kind of hard to run on Arkansas and up the middle. They can yeah. be pretty physical towards the run as long as it's north-south. But as soon as someone tries to set the edge and get outside, Arkansas loses. And I think a lot of that's because of how aggressive Chavis is. He loves yes. to blitz the inside. Um, they're going to have to get it corrected, though. They are improved in terms of turnover or takeaways, and uh, I think they held on third down. I think they held Colorado State something like what was it four of fifteen or four of fourteen, something like that. That's 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 okay. That's not that's actually not too bad at all. Arkansas was fifty percent on third down, so uh, on offense. But I, I, yeah, I, I got to disagree a little bit. I think I think Arkansas played pretty poorly on on, on defense, but they did. I mean, they kind of set the tone there in the fourth quarter with that scoop and score by Ladarius Bishop. And again, I don't think the secondary uh, – I don't put this one on the secondary. They they no. handled an NFL quarterback, even though he even though he got hurt early on. They handled him pretty well. I mean, his uh, – Hill's – Hill was 13-23 uh, for 99 yards. I mean, he had a quarterback rating of 59.9, according to ESPN, with only one touchdown. And his completion – Pass per completion was like four yards. So they did yeah. a good job of limiting what Colin Hill could do. But I still, you know, you've got two guys that ran for over eight yards of carry, both those running backs. They, they, there's still just a lot they got to do, a lot of things they got to get fixed. Um, through the year, just the last thing here, they've given up 480 yards through three games on 103 wow. attempts. That's almost five yards of carry. That's 100, that's north of 160 yards. Uh, per game on the ground, that's a problem. That's a that big needs problem. to go down about twenty yards, maybe. Especially, especially because you played Ole Miss, who let's be real, I don't know if you watched that uh, their game against uh, who was it, Southeast Louisiana. No, I, I mean, was they, too busy. They watching. beat those guys forty to like thirty or forty to yeah. twenty nine. It wasn't a blowout. Like Ole Miss is not good, you know. Yeah. And then you factor in Portland State. The fact that they've given up those kind of numbers against low-quality opponents, I don't care. Again, I don't care that Colorado State's good on offense. That's still terrible. 480 yards. They got a lot of correcting to do, and I think they will. I know. I don't want to come off negative. I know we're supposed to end this on a positive note. I do think that, like you said, they got playmakers. Curls, NFL written all over them. Uh, Ladarius Bishop, I think there's hope there for him to come on. I think he probably will. And don't forget, they still got Devin Bush, a true freshman waiting in the weems and, and someone who had a pretty good fall camp. Um Bumper pool, it sounds like he could come back at some point during the season, so you have hope there. Defensive line, they have depth. They're young, but they have depth. There's some hope. They've got young talent, and they've got old talent, kind of a mix of the two. They have hope. So yeah. I'm not I'm not abandoning ship on defense yet, but uh, they do, they've got a lot of work to do to, to improve on the defensive side of the ball. Right. So after this break, guys, Ty, that was, that was a great uh, analysis there. Oh, thank uh, you, of sir. what you got, man. Uh, I really, I'm really looking forward to week week four or wait, yeah, week four against San Jose State, seeing what Arkansas can improve on going forward and into SEC play. Oh. Yeah, we need to talk about really quick the uh, the Ozark show. There, so oh yeah, we don't. If you look on the on iTunes, this is technically on iTunes episode 21. 
we weren't able to get episode 21 up, but that is available on Facebook. We had some, we had some, um, some stuff go wrong with our software. We had some, uh, some things go wrong. And so we, we were unable to upload that podcast onto, uh, onto iTunes and across our, our podcast platforms. But, uh, you can't catch that on Facebook. So I, I guess yes. technically this is our episode 21, but we're just going to call it the double deuce because, my God, we love saying the double deuce here, okay? That's right. It's like saying right. ESPN the Ocho. That's a thing. That's a real thing. It's not just from Dodgeball with Vince Vaughn, Vincent Vaughn. That's a real thing, ESPN the Ocho. So we're calling this the double deuce. Yeah, and so I like it. I wanted to say a special shout-out to those in Ozark. That was uh, – you know that's that's Pex, our producer's backyard, man, and those people there, uh, really nice. I've said this about in, anywhere you go in the state of Arkansas to me feels like home, and and Ozark was no exception to the rule there. It was uh, it was just a cozy town, and uh, special shout out to our uh, to the Ozark Brewing. Uh, shout out to those guys uh, for for having us on, and it was a blast. And and yeah. for those of you who were there watching us live on Facebook, thank you so much for your support. Yeah, that was our first live show, man, and and people really tuned in on Facebook. We had almost two thousand people. A first show we've ever had go remote somewhere, get over two thousand views on Facebook. That was incredible. Mm. I appreciate every single person tuning in and, and watching and, and seeing what we had to say. Uh, real quick, uh, it was Oxbend Brewing Company in Oxbend Ozark, Brewer. Arkansas. Yes, uh, they are located at on Commercial Street. Uh, right beside Family Dollar. So you go and hang out with those guys, get a bite to eat at the food truck next door, and, and grab you a beer, a homemade root beer, whatever it is. Uh, go and try it and uh, enjoy their food. Guy, man, Ty, it was really good uh, portion of the show. After this, uh, after the next commercial, we will have head coach of the Arkansas Ladyback basketball team, Mike Neighbors, joining us on the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Hotline. And will give us what his thoughts are on the upcoming season for his uh, ladies, and and hopefully, man, we see some more postseason play and a even more improved team than what they had last year. So stick around and enjoy the rest of the show. This is Jacob and, and my co-host Ty. Man, we appreciate every single one of y'all. You Hog Talk fans are the backbone of what we do, and we appreciate you very much. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. Stay tuned. Yes, Mike Neighbors is next. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to episode number 21 of the Hog Talk Podcast. On the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Hotline, we have head coach of the Arkansas Ladyback Basketball Team, Mike Neighbors. How are you doing tonight, Coach? I just got through watching the end of the uh, Las Vegas Aces WNBA game, and I'm, uh, uh, it was a crazy, crazy ending, so I'm ready to talk about ball instead of watching it. I hear you, Coach. Uh, this last season, 2018-2019, uh, you came off the NIT appearance, 
what are the expectations for this season? What do you think the fans should know about your ball club this year? Uh, well, they got a chance to see us at the end of the year late last year. Uh, you know, the the city, the state, the area certainly rallied around, came in, come in, put about 7,000 people in Bud Walton Arena there for us down the stretch. So uh, a lot of that same stuff, just continued growth in a lot of areas. Um, you know, we had to say goodbye to some seniors in, in, in Malika Monk and Bailey Zimmerman and Raven, and Raven North Cross Baker and – We've welcomed in uh, another transfer in Amber Ramirez and four really talented freshmen. So uh, I hope everybody's expecting some, some growth in some areas, some continued um, good play in the other areas we were already good at. But, you know, we're not a big goals team. Uh, we're kind of a standards-based, let's keep doing what's been working, get a little bit better at it, uh, and see where see where the results come from all that. I can tell you, though, that our kids – Obviously, have social media like everybody else in the world, and you know when preseason polls start coming out and you're ranked in the top 25, expectations start to grow, and we have to talk about that and make sure we got those things in perspective. So, I really hope the fans are excited. I hope they're eager. Uh, once football gets nearly wrapped up, I hope we're not quite there yet. We can still go out and support uh, our, our football team and our our. our soccer team, which knocked off the number one team in the country, uh, yep. North Carolina today. So uh, we're not quite ready to play yet, but we sure are enjoying the practices we're having. So I hope expectations are high of everybody, and uh, we're looking forward to getting it rolling again. Yeah, and Coach Neighbors, this is uh, Porter Hayes here. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, the impact that, you know, the SEC tournament run y'all had last year. And, I mean, y'all really caught the SEC and, and the – women's basketball on fire um, and just kind of talk about how that brought your team together and, and you know with Dungy kind of you know carrying the team on her back kind of like what you had at Washington with you know Kelsey Plum I mean yep. what energy did that have of, of that SEC run coming into this season well I, I think it was proof of the method working you know, I think our kids now know that um, what we're doing this time of the, in October is going to pay dividends when we go back to Greenville next year. They know that because there's proof and there's evidence of that, that you can withstand a, a little bit of a losing streak in the middle of the SEC and still be playing good basketball. Don't get caught up in the results of the game. Uh, focus on where your, your process is at. I know that's an overused cliche, but it is so true. I think our kids have gained confidence. I think there's a little bit of healthy swagger, um, you know. And that that week that week down there in Greenville, uh, everything did come together for us, and that's what our group kind of likes to be known for: uh, peaking at the right time. And as well as Chelsea played, you also had three or four other kids, and in, in Jalen Mason and Alexis Tolfrey and Kieran Williams and Taylor Thomas combining time there probably played in some of the best basketball of the year. So I think everybody comes back with confidence. But that performance that Chelsea did on a big stage with everybody watching, at a time when obviously our league coaches didn't think as much of her as some of us around here did. You know, she hadn't been named to the first team all-conference team leading into that deal. And all she does is go out and break the uh, SEC scoring record for points in a tournament, you know. So – 
uh, we've watched the film. We've enjoyed it. Uh, it's helped us in recruiting. It's helped us in preseason ticket sales. But we are all been around this long enough to know that it doesn't matter. It, we're all starting back, you know, day one right now. We can remember those things, but it's not going to carry us through this season. So we got to use them as uh, experience, but we can't rely on it. Yeah, and kind of, you know, kind of touching base on that recruiting that you're talking about. You know, I was talking to the guys, and I don't remember a time where, you know, it's leading into football season, and I'm getting notices of, you know, women's basketball recruiting, and you know, it gets you excited. So, I mean, I know for you as the coach, it, it, it feels good that during the off season and when it's supposed to be football's time to shine, that you know, the women's basketball team is getting some some pub when it comes to your recruiting. Well, that means we're doing it the right way, you know, and uh, I, I can't get extra specific, but I can tell you that it's a lot easier for people to answer the call when you're coming off the season like we had. You know, that's just the way it is in recruiting. The kids are paying attention to what's happening now. They're not interested in what happened, you know, back in 1998 when Coach Blair was here and, and took a team to the Final Four. They're, they don't, They weren't alive. <laughs> Hell, you know, they don't remember that. So uh, the recent stuff has a lot of benefit, and uh, they answer calls, and they come visit campus, and they do all the things that you hope are good positive signs of having a healthy recruiting period going on, and uh, that's certainly happening for us. And, um, you know, that, that will pay dividends two, three years down the line. Um, and it is, again, another piece of evidence that, that what our staff is doing, the plan's working, the blueprint's coming together, we're still not done. We still don't have a finished product, but we are we are making uh, great progress. Yeah. So, how hard was it really to come from an established program up there at Washington to come back home? What, what was it like coming back home, and what was the appeal that Arkansas had for you? Well, you know, it was the dream job uh, from when I grew up. I, I wanted to be a Razorback player. Uh, I didn't know what. At, at that point in time, at eight, nine years old, it was just a matter of what sport I was going to come up here and be an All-American in. It wasn't, it wasn't if, it was which sport. You know, was it going to be baseball or basketball or football? or? Uh, and, and obviously, by about the time I was the, the ninth grader, I realized it was going to be none of those things. <laughs> but I still love my Razorbacks, you know. Uh, I, I was not going to be an All-American athlete, so I started kind of getting that dream of being a coach up here someday. Um Went to school, went to college, did all the things everywhere along the way. Everybody knew that Arkansas was my dream job. So the day that it kind of became a reality, though, like you're saying, we had a good thing going in Washington. Uh, had a good team coming back. He'd been to the NCAA tournament now three straight years and the Sweet 16 two straight years in the Final Four. So it's not a no-brainer. You know, it's not one of these things that you say, yes, that's what we do, but Having had been a dream job, you certainly weigh weigh the options. You call the people you love, the people you trust. You make sure it's a doable job. Um, it wasn't a secret back when I took the job. I can tell you that was the only question I asked Jeff Long and the committee was, can we do this? Tell me it's not impossible. And they said, there's no way it's impossible. It is very doable. It's going to be hard, but it's not impossible. So, you know, we ask kids to do hard things all the time. So, uh, it it became an easy decision uh, because being an alum, I went to college here for seven years. 
Um, I did not get a master's degree. Most people, most people will usually say, "Oh, you get your master's," uh, but no, I didn't. I just really liked going to college here. Uh, so it was great. It was a challenge. I've been gone for 19 years, uh, all over the country, different places. And coming home is hard. It went from being very much able to uh, do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it without clearing it with anybody to now I'm back home. I've got my mom and my friends and my, my daughter and my son and friends I went to college with and friends I coach with. So it was it was a unique change for me, but something at my age that I had hoped for and worked for, so I wasn't about to miss out on that opportunity. And I can just tell you it's been everything I'd hoped for and, and even more. Yeah, and looking, uh, you know, you're talking about the, the seniors that you, you lost last year. Uh, you know, who's going to be those ones that kind of step up to help toll free Mason and, and Dungey out this year? Well, you know, you start with the kids that were here. And I, let me just tell everybody, come out and watch this practice if you want to. And, and, and don't take my word for it. But Taylor Thomas has, has gone home this summer. And as a junior, which a lot of kids do, really – take advantage of understanding their role and she has come back and has been an absolute dominant force for us around the basket uh so that's going to be nice Kiera Williams will be a senior a kid that's been a two-year starter for us and Taylor in that spot uh and then you add a couple of faces Rokia Dumbia is back she went home for the summer and represented her national team in Mali uh, she's got a year under her belt was our only true freshman last year so now she comes back comfortable with the situation. We had four freshmen that were that are very highly touted, uh, ready to come in and play. Uh, in Michaela Daniels, Marquisha Davis from Springdale, two two kids from the or Marquisha being from the area. Michaela's from Maryland, was Miss Basketball in the state of Maryland, which that's a tough state to be Miss Basketball in. And she was able to yeah. do that. And we had Ginger Reese and, and Destiny Oberg, uh, respectively, from Oklahoma and Minnesota, Minneapolis area. So those will be the freshmen. But, I, you know, and the, the, the person that everybody saw last year, because she was so exuberant on the bench cheering for us, was Amber Ramirez, a, a 2016 McDonald's All-American, uh, a kid that a lot of people watched in the shootout, you know, uh, against the, the male from uh, the McDonald's All-American game, and she won the three-point shootout. Uh, just a really dynamic kid and a dynamic player. So uh, we're counting on everybody that's coming back to be uh, uh, incrementally better. And, you know, Itiana Golden uh, coming back now, being their second year in the program, third year overall. So everybody has come back with higher uh, – and it's made practices very, very competitive. It has been – all right, we had a game the other day. We played a 40-minute scrimmage, and it was 117 to 111. So we got to work on our defense, uh, but the offense, <laughs> the offense is clicking pretty good. That's a lot of points, Coach. That's a, a lot, lot of scoring. Yeah. <laughs> got a long way to go defensively. Long way to yeah. go defensively. Yeah, for sure. But at least sounds like the scoring end of things might be on the up and up. Uh, Ty Hudson here, uh, co-host of the Hog Talk Podcast. Uh, final question for you, Coach. We hear yeah. a lot by the media – just how difficult the SEC is. We want to get a coach's perspective on the conference. Yeah. Uh, here's what I can tell you. Having, having been in the Pac-12, having, having been in the Big 12, and, and around the Big 10 and the ACC enough, 
the difference that the SEC, the challenge that it brings you, is that it's just such a compounding effect of 16 games against that level of player and coach. It's not a one-game basis. League to league, head-to-head, one-game deal. There's no way to ever probably prove that one conference is better than another. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you the challenge of going into the places that we go against the coaches and the players that we go, it can tear you down physically and mentally. That stretch last year that we had at the end of the year, we lost eight out of nine games. And I'm telling you, we were playing good basketball. But we were playing teams that were better than us. And it's so hard to maintain your focus, your level of commitment, your energy, your team chemistry, all of those things, because that can happen in this league. You can you, – you're, the road games can fall. You can we, – we had a – you know, Malika Monk breaks her hand at the worst possible time of the year that she could. Two games that we might could have won to stop that losing streak, we lose about one and two points. So you're not going to convince me that a healthy Mal doesn't make a one or a two-point difference. But that's what this league does. It can just really have a compounding effect on you in every sport. <clears throat> but specifically from my experience, it can really be a, a challenge physically and mentally like no other league presents. Mike, we we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Good luck this season, and we hope to see you at plenty more games on campus this year. You're really an entertaining fan when you're out there. <laughs> I'll be there. I, I'm so, I hated to miss that game today. I'm, I'm good friends with Colby, and I watched it come across Twitter. I was I was in Kansas City speaking at the NABC clinic, or I'd have been front row center with my scarf watching them take down the number one team in the country. So hope to see you guys out there. Grab me when you do, and uh, we'll call the Hogs together. Absolutely. That was great. Yes, Thank you, sir. Coach. You have a good night, brother. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you. That'll do it for episode number 22 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, signing off. Have a good night, and go Hogs. I guess you're just what I need. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.